Blog Talk Radio. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Once again, it's that time. Yes, it is. All right. Come on, people. You know who I am. I am JT, a.k.a. The Master, and this is The Master Plan. Got a great show in store for you today. Talking fantasy football. Hey, this is the second week of four consecutive weeks talking about the skill positions in fantasy football. Last week, we brought down and, and broke it down in the quarterback position. Well, this week, we're going to take it to the position, one of the positions that quarterback throws to. We're talking to the WR, the wide receivers. There's a whole array of good wide receivers, bad wide receivers, wide receivers on the edge, wide receivers you may not have thought about that are going to come about. We're talking about 1 to 25 is how I'm going to rank them. And then from there, we're going to talk about eh, some guys that may not be on the radar between that 1 to 25 that have a possibility, strong possibility, of surprising uprising to maybe uh, um, relevancy for your fantasy team. Whether you have two wide receivers, three wide receivers, two wide receivers in a flex, and you put a wide receiver in there, we're going to try to give you some information. I know it's the second week, really the first week of preseason, but it's the, uh, 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 it's about a month, about a month. Until the regular season starts. I tell you, people. I told early. I think it was last week. I got. I don't believe in in drafting too early. You see guys moving around that will affect their fantasy uh, uh, relevancy. Whether good or bad positions, we'll we'll get into that. I'm gonna get get into that. Got either guys getting hurt or guys that got suspended and definitely changes their position in their fantasy in their fantasy drafts. Well, you don't draft early. I understand that you can adjust. Okay, probably we grab that guy if you had any kind of forethought off the waiver wire if he's sitting there and use him as a substitute or use another somebody else as a substitute but when a guy gets suspended I'm talking about Zeke Elliott before we get into the wide receivers guys get suspended for six games now he's going to appeal it 
supposed to appeal it. You don't know how it's going to play out because Roger Dell and all the uh, uh, wisdom of the NFLPA gave Roger Goodell complete autonomy, judge, jury, executioner, if he's going to allow Zeke in the appeal process to play. You don't know what's going to happen there. It's still up in the year. But you know that he's going to have, elite, uh, he's going to have six games. He's going to be out seven weeks. Because the Cowboys, if I'm not mistaken, have to buy in this, it, it, week seven. So that's half of your season, half of the your, your season, that a potential number one pick, or I would say potential, definitely a number one pick before the, the, the suspension came down, top three or four pick, without a shadow of doubt, in most people's draft boards, in most people's drafts, that... Is not going to be there. And usually, I should say usually, always, your number one pick is your number one pick for a reason. He, he's supposed to garner week in and week out some solid fantasy points. Solid fantasy points. And for seven weeks, if it, if it carries through for seven weeks, he won't be there. That's just like having a number one pick, running back or a wide receiver, whoever you pick a number one, and they get hurt, and they don't come back until the seventh, until the eighth week. That's just the same thing. They don't get hurt. That hurts your season. That extremely hurts you, puts you behind the proverbial eight ball, and how your season is going to turn out. That's why one of the reasons why, and it can happen at any time. But you knew there was going to this was a possibility. But Jerry Jones said, yeah, he's not going to get suspended. I don't see any basis for getting suspended." Well, guess what, Jerry? He did. Jerry Jones is not happy. Quite naturally, Zeke Elliott and his teammates aren't happy, and uh, uh, Zeke is going to fight it. But. I don't believe in drafting early. Now, you can you say, well, it could happen now. It could happen uh, just before the season started that somebody gets suspended for it. Yeah, that's right. But I can't remember, except for, for two occasions, that a huge, an extremely huge star. Now, I may have, have a short memory. I may have a short memory, but I can't remember. <clears throat> a huge star that means so much to their team other than Tom Brady gets suspended for an extended period of time. Being hurt is a different story, but being suspended, Tom Brady got suspended for four games. Zeke is going to six games. A lot of these guys that get suspended aren't major stars. Le'Veon Bell got suspended, what, for three games, three games, three, four games. And then you buy the seventh, that's you, and you don't come back until the eighth week, and it's probably going to take you a few weeks to get 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 yourself together. That's like a, I mean, it's good coming in late to the season because you're fresh, 
and the possibility could carry you could could carry you to a championship. But now you need somebody to take up the slack of a first round pick if you drafted already. If you drafted already, anybody from now on knows the deal with Zeke and probably can get him at a bargain for the simple reason that he's going to be at least down for six games. I mean, not at least, but that's the max he's going to be down for six games, seven games, really seven weeks. If it gets reduced to three, fine. Okay. But you don't know that you're in the unknown. And you can't spend a first round pick on Zeke. Because then you're rolling your dice on your fantasy football season. You're rolling the dice. And if you're sincere about trying to win, Zeke is not on your radar in the first round. He's not on your radar in the first round. Not happening. The number to call in is 347-637-3220. i say that again. It's 347-637-3220 is the place to be if you want to talk to JT. And you know that would be me. We're going to be talking about wide receivers. All right? So let's get it started. At number 25. On my radar. I know I'm going to surprise a few people here, but and 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 put this guy on my twenty as my twenty fifth pick, and some people may say, "What twenty five? Twenty five? Really? Yeah, twenty five. That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about." And It's Tyreek Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm putting him at number 25. Some people may have him higher. I'm not. One of those. I'm not one of them. He's the top receiver in one of the first, excuse me, one of the worst passing teams in the NFL. Um, he caught 61 passes for 593 yards and six scores last year. Uh, he ran. 24 times for 267 touchdowns for uh, three tu- 67 yards for three touchdowns um, and also scored two punt return touchdowns and one kick return touchdown. Um, he was an all-round uh, uh, guy, but I don't think he's going to be doing those return duties uh, this year because he's too valuable to the passing game. The, the Chiefs got rid of uh, Jeremy Macklin and uh, – <clears throat> Um, they don't want to take the chance or the uh, the extra risk, I should say, of uh, Tyreek Hill uh, getting injured at a kickoff or punt returner. Can't blame him for the simple reason uh, they have limited resources in the Receivers. 
They don't have all, all, all you know, all, it's not all that to be that in the receivers. And um, the only problem is, is, is this. And I know he scored what? Is that what? What is that? I mean, let me let me just look at that again. He had a uh, um, uh, hold on a minute here. Hold on a minute, people. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Bear with me for a minute. Bear with me for a minute. I lost my space here, and um. Trying to get it together again. And and I'll be right with you. Give me bear with me for a minute. I just can't believe I just did this, but that's okay. There we go. Um Like I said, he won't be asked to do the special teams again because he he's too much of a uh there'll be too much of a risk. And uh, um they need him because of limited resources they have in the wide receivers. Um, he, he is a, I see him doing about 80 catches, a little over a thousand yards. Um, and, um, the thing about it, defenses now know who this kid is and they're going to key on him. Now he, speed kills quite naturally. He caught a lot of teams by surprise last year, but there's no surprise now. And he's not all that He's not a big guy, so um, he's got, he had a tendency to, last year to disappear. Um, and but he he is known for his big splash plays. I got him at twenty five. He's got huge upside. Okay, um, and there's no question he has more talent than any other wideout on his team. And and this is a great opportunity for him to break out this year. But that and with that being said, him being the number one now. Not the gadget. Well, he's going to still be the gadget guy, but this is, like I said, one of the worst passing teams in the NFL. That's why I have him up at 25. With upside. All right. Let's move on to number 24. All right. Now, this kid had uh, almost 1,000 yards and almost 70 catches in his rookie year. He followed that up in his sophomore year with a little over 70 catches, uh, and a, but a little less than 900 yards of uh, uh, the, in his sophomore year. But Willie Sneed still has some upside because Brandon Cooks is gone. Now, everybody assumes, and, and I rightfully so, that Michael Thomas is the number one wide receiver. And you can say that uh, Snead is, is secure at the number two who plays outside and then move into the slot when they go with a three-man slot. Three-man slot, yeah, when they go to the three-man set, I should say. <clears throat> like I said, he's, he's accounted for about 80. Uh, uh, I think he's going to get about 80 catches this year, probably about, close to the, about the same as Tyreek Kill. That's why I have him at 24, but he's got a huge upside. Um, now, quite naturally, they have Mark Ingram, they have uh, Adrian Peterson, 
and also Al, Alvin Kamara as the rookie, uh, pass catching rookie serving at Darren Sproles, uh, uh, Darren Sproles like. Um, and, and rushing offense is expected to be better, and quite naturally that could impact the passing game. But this is Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Drew Brees likes to, like likes to get the ball. Well, he likes to throw the ball. And the Saints primarily moved their uh, uh, um, their offense. Their offense moved primarily in the passing game. But they do have some, if all the pants out and these guys stay healthy, they do have some uh, solid rushers, running backs, in Mark Ingram and a healthy Adrian Peterson with a sprinkle of Alvin Kamara. But I'm thinking Willie upside Willie excuse me, Willie Sneed with some upside in this offense, being the number two option. Can't go wrong with a receiver that gets uh attention with uh, um Sean uh Sean Payton and Drew Brees. So that's why I have Willie Sneed at number twenty four. Number twenty three. Never been, I've never been a fan of this guy, but he's got upside in this offense in, in Philly. Um, he, he he signed a one year deal, so it's a prove it prove prove it to me deal. Uh, nine and a half million dollars. So they're the reason for this guy to want to succeed. And, and and stay on the field and be healthy. Talking about Al, Alshon Jeffrey, who's got another uh, upsider alongside him. That he's he's uh, in an offense that Carson Wentz, who that Philly offense is expected to make a um, step forward on the offense under um the West Coast offense they 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 brought over from um Doug Peterson company brought over from uh, Kansas City that a uh, big wide tall wide receiver um like Jeffrey can can repeat what he did in 2013 where he had 89 catches for 1400 yards and seven touchdowns and then did it again the following year with 1,100 yards. But as anyone who's followed Ashawn Jeffrey knows, the last two seasons, he slowed down by injury and quite naturally disappointed his team, disappointed the coaching staff and the Chicago Bears, and quite naturally disappointed himself uh, for the last two seasons. 27 years old, he's, asked, he's got to prove himself. Um uh, playing with Carson Wentz, and they have a tough schedule. He's a big target, and Carson Wentz, since Jordan Matthews is not going to be there, and they haven't replaced um, uh, uh, Jordan Matthews, Alshon Jeffrey is going to be relied upon to be uh, that go-to wide receiver. And uh, uh, let me bring in my esteemed co- uh, co-host from the FSP sh- crew show. 
who uh, um, has been waiting patiently on the phone. What's up, Jeff? How you doing? Hey, Jerry. What's going on? Not much. <clears throat> talking wide receivers, man. I just talking about Ashawn Jeffrey. He's got a ton of upside uh, with the, with Carson Wentz throwing the ball to him. Um, one year deal, prove it deal. Um, looking for that big contract. Twenty seven. This is this is probably his last big contract. Tell you the truth. Uh, and and uh, he's twenty seven years old, and he needs to ball out in order to get paid from um, in, for next season and on. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. Um, you know, I mean, you can't underestimate the importance of uh, players being healthy and, and being able to stay on the field. Um, there's another gentleman, uh, I don't think you mentioned him, and that's his his constant issue is uh, Sammy Watkins. Um, and uh, it's not just the injuries with him, it's the inconsistency. So when he does suit up, it's very hard to start him because you can't, you don't know – uh, you know, if he's going to pull a hammy after one play, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of game he's going to have. You know, he's a big play guy. And, uh, you know, he just got traded to the Rams. And, you know, uh, like you said before, and and you don't have to convince me, that's why I like having my drafts in late August mm-hmm. because it's just more accurate than having them mm-hmm. in some, some leagues do June and July. And, crazy. Uh, you that's know, that crazy. just doesn't feel right to me. I mean, the thing is, it, it's everybody's in the same boat, but I don't want to be in that boat. You know, yep. I just yep. It, yep. It, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I I got a, a a friend, you know, who was a big fantasy football guy. He kind of retired, and he he wanted to have our draft the night before the opening kickoff. And I told him, I'm like, come on you got to have at least four days. You want to be able to set the lineup, and maybe if right. somebody botches a pick, you need, you know, uh, time mm-hmm. for waivers and whatever, you know. Sure. I, mm-hmm. I, but that's, you know, I agreed with him. I just didn't feel as strongly as he did, and that's mm-hmm. why it gets tough scheduling drafts because a lot of guys do multiple leagues, and mm-hmm. let's say the last weekend in, in August gets tough. But the thing is, hey, you could even have your drafts on Labor Day weekend. You know, you might be away, but a lot of people now when you're away, you still have computer access. And, uh, you know, it's not like it's a a huge time commitment, depending on the draft, because I do one auction league, and and those auction drafts are grueling. Yeah. That's that's uh, one – and not to interrupt you, but let me just put this in. That's one of the reasons why I stay from auction leagues. They're they're just so they're so time consuming and, and tedious, man. It's rough. Go, go ahead and finish your thought. But it's worth it, man. But like you know, and the thing is, we used to do it in person. Then it became too difficult because too many guys lived out of the area. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I'm glad you know I was able to do those in person drafts. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing is, this is a serious league, and I was dreading that first in person draft, and but I got to give the guys credit. They were prepared and, you know, focused. Because, you know, I've heard some of these in-person drafts, you know, especially with auction, you know, everybody's boozing it up. And, you know, yep. every, mm-hmm. every name that gets put on the board, everybody's screaming bloody murder. And it, it, it's just not it, – <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Sure, like, I know, you know exactly what you're saying, that, yeah. You know, then you got the guy – who like every pick is like just like shaking his head or saying something like who are you you know yeah. <laughs> like yep. once mm-hmm. in a while 
you know, okay, you know, I'll shake my head a little. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, this, this auction league is more complicated than calculus. That sure. We have, sure. We have restricted free agency, and, um, you know, we got, you know, uh, so we got these contracts and whatever. So um, I, I had uh, Mark Ingram was at the end of his contract, so the other teams could make bids, mm-hmm. and then I, I can match it, you know. So I think his salary was around 16. It was, you know, he gets a $4 price increase each year. So, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had a nice little run with him. Um, And then one of the other owners, I don't even like that term. I prefer GM because owner sounds Mm -hmm. so grandiose. Uh, Mm -hmm. Bids for a $200 cap bids 47 for Ingram. Like, whoa, this guy's in a three man committee. So he made my decision easy Mm because there's no way I'm matching that. Nope. Uh, Nope. But, uh, you know, because, you know, the thing is, uh, you know, you got Adrian Peterson there. You got um, the, the, the rookie, I forget his name. Uh, he looks pretty good. Um, and, you know, and Ingram is pretty good and a decent receiver, too. Um, but, you know, just three-man committees are tough to mess around with for fantasy. Um, you know, if it was, you know, just uh, Ingram and one other guy – you know, I, I I'd have more more interest in him, but you know, uh, who knows? I mean, you know, Adrian Peterson, if he's got something left, who knows? He he could uh, g- get a lot of the snaps there. You know, now mm-hmm. the thing is with the Saints, you know, because that's been a great passing attack pretty much every year since uh, you know Drew Brees and uh, Sean Payton got there, um, and Brees does spread it around, but the 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 most go-to guy he ever had was uh, Marcus Colston. And now it looks like Michael Thomas is his possession go-to guy, and especially in a PPR league, those guys are huge. But then, you know, uh, because it's the Saints, the other wide receiver's going to have value. In deeper leagues, even their third receiver will have value. And, uh, you know, you just kind of have to try to figure out who's going to play what role in that offense, you know, um, you know, if they go, you, you know, cause it, you don't even know if it's going to be Ingram or, uh, the rookie, you know, um, coming in on third down and catching some passes. You just, cause they, they do mix it up a lot. You, you, yep. you know, uh, you don't know what's up their sleeve, but some things, I mean, you, you could pretty much count on Michael Thomas. Um, he's, he's probably the safest guy, but you know, of course he's going very early in drafts. Well, um, I mean, let me let, let's get back to this, and we'll probably get yeah. to Michael Thomas within this list. So let's get back to the list, yeah. and then we 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 can, we can talk about uh, where Michael Thomas is going to, where I like him in, on my list. <clears throat> All right, number twenty-two and number twenty-one. These guys are probably uh, uh, twenty-one, twenty-two, coming out of the same offense. Uh, and number twenty-two, I have uh, Jamison Crowder. Uh, I think he's going to get about uh, uh, probably lead the team in receptions because. He's the only the only holdover from last year, um, from the uh, um, Washington Redskins passing offense. Uh, other than uh, uh, let's just say the holdover for wide receiver, okay. Um, and he'll mainly play uh, uh, outside, but it, quite naturally when they had Deshaun Jackson and they had um, uh, Pierre Garçon, uh, they were putting him in the slot when they went three wide. So his his catch totals should be increasing this year. Um, 
like I said, he's a, he's a lone starting wideout from uh, uh, last year, and he's and he's more valuable, okay, in PPR because Kurt love Kurt loves this guy. Um, uh, he's he's probably the second guy other than um, um, Jordan Reed that Kurt when all th- all things fail that he looks to to get the ball to. Uh, so I, I'm thinking that Jamison Crowder, who's probably um, I wouldn't say an afterthought, but not thought of as a a um, top 10, 15, quite naturally. I have him at 22, so uh, a wide receiver. But he's one that, especially, like I said, in PPR, uh, this kid is going to be a, 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 a nice pickup if you happen to go running back early and looking to get a wide receiver uh, in the mid rounds, this is one of the guys that you can get in, in, in Jamison Crowder. And with that being said, number twenty-one, who has upside on ex-quarterback, six-four, caught seventy-seven passes for a little over a thousand yards last year at Cleveland with the Cleveland quarterbacks that they had, uh, Terrell Pryor. Excuse me, Terrell Pryor, who's also just like Alshon Jeffrey, is is betting on himself. Uh, with with a one year contract, um, that it, it I wouldn't say it, it was I would say it's a prove it to me deal. Um, it's going to be considered the number one wide receiver as well it, for the Redskins. Um, that is uh, has a, has a lot of upside. Like I said, he's an ex quarterback, and he's still learning the position, but he's done pretty well, um, and the learning curve has been short or small, I should say, with Terrell Pryor in a passing offense um, that had two 1,000-yard receivers in Pierre Gonson and and Deshaun Jackson, that um, Terrell Pryor is going to take that spot of one of those wide receivers and reap the rewards with Kirk Kirk Cousins thrown to him. Um, Probably going to be a huge red zone zone target uh, at at that 6'4 frame. Um, so I have Jamison Crowder and Terrell Pryor uh, in that order, 22-21. What's your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I give a lot of credit to uh, Terrell Pryor for having that uh, uh, season uh, last year in uh, uh, Cleveland. And, uh, you know, it's almost a shame that he, he pretty much wasted uh, four or five years playing quarterback um, but because uh, usually if they make that switch, it's usually early in a guy's career. But uh, you know he, he showed he's uh, you know he's he's a legitimate NFL receiver, and I think by default he's the number one guy in Washington. Yep. All right, let's move on to number twenty. Um, some people probably don't have him in the top twenty, um, twenty-five, I should say. I have him in the top 20. Uh, it looks like he's healthy. Looks like he's lost weight. Looks like the um, Carolina Panthers are anxious to get this guy to his rookie season where he had 73 catches for over 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns uh, and not what he was last year or when he missed the uh, 2015 season with uh, um, a uh, uh, knee injury. I'm talking about Calvin Johnson. 
Kelvin Benjamin, not Calvin Johnson. Wow, Kelvin <laughs> Benjamin. <laughs> uh, Kelvin You're Benjamin. You're bringing somebody out of retirement. Yeah, I know. It's a lot, and, and, and not to get off track, but I don't know if you've seen it or not. But teams have contacted Calvin Johnson to see to, to gauge whether he'd be willing to come out of retirement. And um, uh, I, no word on what, whether he's responded nay, yay or nay to him. Uh, quite nasty. He's still on the contract with the Detroit Lions. So uh, and the D- Detroit Lions, if they were so inclined, which I kind of highly doubt, would would be willing to trade Calvin Johnson. But uh, uh, that's getting off the beaten path. But I'll come back to Kev, uh, uh, back and bring it back down to Calvin Benjamin, who um, last we saw when they played the Texans, looks every bit of what uh, they want from him in his rookie season. Uh, and looked like he was healthy and had lost weight. Looks like that helped him quite a bit. Uh, and he's focused on doing um, doing uh, well for his team and for uh, himself quite naturally. Uh, now they got extra pieces in the passing game quite naturally. Um, Greg Olson is one of the, the one of the primary targets. Uh, Calvin Calvin Benjamin. I keep on saying, I want to say Calvin Johnson. Calvin Benjamin is um, the other primary target. But then we got a little sprinkle of, and a little taste of it, that there be a, a, a sighting of Christian McCaffrey. And uh, when he's healthy, because I don't think he is quite yet, Curtis Samuel, two rookies, two rookies that are uh, a jack of all trades, let me put it that way, can play wide receiver and also do a, a running back. Uh, McCaffrey, the better running back out of the two that I just mentioned are rookies, but Calvin Benjamin um, looking to get about 70 catches in a run oriented offense uh, and about over a thousand yards. Uh, I see him doing that. What's your thoughts, Jeff? You know, um, I mean, Benjamin, you know, I mean, you know, he looks to have uh, a decent year, but you know, uh, you know, Cam Newton doesn't look close to a hundred percent, you know, um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really think because, uh, you know, Cam's a big kid, but, you know, he he takes a lot of big hits. And uh, I think they really are going to try working on him to throw to the backs more, uh, specifically uh, Christian mm-hmm. McCaffrey. So, mm-hmm. uh, who knows? Uh, you know, and, of course, Olsen is, is, is probably his favorite receiver. Um, so, you know, maybe those factors, uh, you know, kind of limit the uh, the upside of uh, Carolina wide receivers. Yeah. I uh, um, There's two quarterbacks, and I, I mentioned them last week when I was talking about quarterbacks, and I left one of them completely off my top 25 list until we know what the hell's going on. And I've been saying it, and I don't know if I've been saying it to you, but I've been saying it quite a bit to guys that deal with fantasy. Two, two quarterbacks that I'm not even thinking about this year um, – would be Cam Newton, but even though Cam Newton is, or, is throwing, he's, he's, he's least throwing the football, and Andrew Luck. Um, there's there's, there's, there's got to be some serious issues going on with Andrew Luck when he hasn't even started throwing yet. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. And, and a lot of people are putting him in the top ten as, as one of the fantasy quarterbacks. I don't, I, there's no way. There's no way. I put uh, uh, Andrew Luck anywhere near my top 25 because of fact, unless, unless I see him 
start to throw, which he hasn't yet. And this is going into the second week, starting this Sunday, going into the second week of training camp. Uh, and there's no timetable when he's going to start throwing. There's no, there's no, they're pretty much hush hush and trying to um, keep it low key on the status of, even though he's the name quarterback and, and, and people are asking, they're trying to try, trying to downplay it. There's no downplay. He hasn't even started throwing yet. That's, that's a rip, huge red flag. Anybody who drafts um, Andrew Luck uh, is, 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 is uh, um, really, really gambling with uh, 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 gra- grabbing a quarterback that with that offensive line, um, which really hasn't improved that much. Uh, and with him having, it's got to be a significant injury if he hadn't even started throwing that there, there's no, the, the huge red flag that there's no way he's going to be anywhere near any of my rosters. What's your thoughts? Just on it. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I mean, in general, I play it safe with my early picks because if you have an early pick who who can't play or even gets off to a slow start, that mm-hmm. can kill your team. You yep. know, I mean, I remember uh, Peyton Manning's last season with the Colts. They pretty much kept people in the dark about his injury status. Yep. And there were people who drafted him early and, uh, you know, they yep. paid the price for that. Yep. And, uh, you know, I remember a couple of years before that, um, he, he didn't play in any preseason games. And, yeah, he still played that year, but he had a very slow September. And, you know, you, you want to come out smoking for fantasy. You know, it's a shorter season, and, and you, you can't afford to be patient with high picks. And there's just it, – it's not worth it to take that kind of risk on, uh, you know, the Andrew Luck situation. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, sure, he's he's very good when healthy, but you know, uh, he, obviously he's not a high pick. If uh, you know, there's a chance he might miss the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to think like this. They, uh, they, I don't know exactly if they ever described what the problem was with Andrew Luck and his shoulder, but I do know Cam had a a um, a, a um, rotator cuff problem. And and I have I have a, a scar for over for a rotator cuff when the technology for rotator cuff surgery wasn't it, what it is today. And and I used to have and I'm not bragging, but I used to have a, a gun uh, for an arm when I played uh, baseball. Uh, that arm for a gun I, I don't have anymore. <laughs> so so so. Um, uh, and, and I don't trust Cam Newton. So, you know, if, if they, they're looking to get Cam Newton to get the ball out of his, uh, um, his hands quicker so he takes less hits, and it's twofold. He's taking less hits, and he's getting the ball out quicker, meaning that I don't know if the ball is going to go way down the field, but um, maybe his arm strength isn't what it used to be right now and they want to be able to uh save throws like to the tight end or to the uh um running backs like in Christian McCaffrey which is not too, wouldn't put too much of a strain on his shoulder um but 
Rotator cuffs are no joke. And to the, he, I think he had a partial tear of a rotator cuff, if I'm not mistaken. But rotator cuffs, especially for a quarterback, um, is no joke. And not this year, maybe next year, I'll, I'll, I'll think about Cam, but it takes about a full year at least, um, depending on the degree of your rotator cuff, to come back from that. Um, and depending on how bad the tear was, depends on how well you're going to recover from it, even with uh, extensive rehab and advanced rehab that they have with all these um, pers- personal and, and um, um, trainers uh, for NFL teams. So let, let's move on to the uh, number 18. No, excuse me, number 19. Um, this guy's had a back-to-back um, of around 100 catches, 1,100 yards, and four touchdowns. Um, the most effective he's been in, and I don't say he say he he burst onto the scene, but uh, for those who knew about fantasy, uh, know about fantasy, and especially in PPR, this kid, he only averaged last year was 12.1 yards per catch, uh, but dominated the uh, Dolphins' box score with around twice as many catches and yards as any other receiver. I'm talking about Jarvis Landry. He was one of the favorites, uh, if not the favorite, for um, Ryan Tannehill. Well, Ryan Tannehill's not there. In comes Adam Gase's favorite quarterback. I would say favorite, but favorite quarterback that he would want uh, to replace Ryan Tannehill would be Jay Cutler. No rapport with uh, Jarvis Landry other than Adam Gase knows what Jarvis Landry can do because he was there last year as the head coach. Um. But uh, uh, Jay Cutler, probably going more than likely, is well-versed on uh, by Adam Gase, who's the guy, go-to guy that you would best be uh, if, if anybody else is not around. This is the guy that you need to throw to. Look for number 14. He'll, he'll, get, he'll get you what you need in uh, Jarvis Landry. So I see him getting a little over uh, 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 1,000 yards. And uh, probably between 80 and, and 90 catches could be a little further down, depending because it's a Jay Cutler factor. So um, depending on week to week, what type of Jay Cutler you're going to get depends on with the production of Jarvis Landry. And it has a lot to do with the, the quarterback on how high these um, wide receivers are going to rank. Um, if you notice, most of these most of these wide receivers, not all of them, have have uh, capable quarterbacks that can get the football to him consistently. And Jarvis Landry, if Jay Cutler uh, repeats what he did in uh, Chicago with Adam Gase, would be able to uh, uh, get Jarvis Landry the ball on a consistent basis. What's your thoughts on Jarvis Landry, number 19? Uh, I, I like Jarvis Landry. I got him on my uh, dynasty team. And, mm-hmm. and I, I got him, and this is one of the best deals I ever made, and it's one of these deals that just happened. I didn't have to haggle. The dude just proposed it to me a couple of years ago. A guy in the league um, really liked Carlos Hyde, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, I only had Carlos Hyde because I had him as a handcuff for Frank Gore, and he offered me Landry and Mark Ingram for Hyde, which to oh. me, I mean, uh, Ingram steal. and Hyde were, that was before Ingram's first big year. You know, it was like, I, I had r- r- ranked almost the same, and then you're throwing in a good young receiver, which, you know, this sure. is a PPR league. I was sure. like, 
You know, like when you get those trade offers that are like too good to be true, you're like, hamana, 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 hamana. I hope I, I hope it doesn't get rejected. Exactly. And, and that, believe me, that was for me. That was one of the deals of the century. But you know, I, the thing is. But you don't like to talk about the bad deals you made because mm-hmm. I, I did trade away Jimmy Graham before his second year. It looked like a good deal at the time. And I did have Aaron Hernandez, who worked out pretty well for a while. But uh wish I could have had uh, Graham when he was having big years in uh, New Orleans. But uh, now the thing is with Cutler, um, you know, and this is just one report. I heard, you know, he, he – uh, isn't really in football shape and based on his track record, you know, I mean, they'll probably, you know, I don't think it's a sure thing. Cutler's going to be the week one starter, even though he is familiar with the offense, you know, Matt Moore is no bum. And, um, you know, I mean, probably, you know, Cutler will, Unless Matt Moore is lighting it up for 400 yards and four touchdowns every week, you know you know Cutler's going to get in there. Um, but you know you don't know how effective he's going to be, and you don't know how long he's going to stay healthy. And this is just one report, but I heard he wasn't exactly in football shape mm-hmm. when the Dolphins called, and he wasn't really actively looking for a job. But they made him an offer he can't refuse, mm-hmm. and, and that's something you got to be wary of. I mean. Hey, if he was just so mentally removed from the game and so out of shape, and then they offer him ten million dollars, which literally they did, he'd be a fool to turn it down, even if he's going to embarrass himself out there. Which I mean, I don't think he'll embarrass himself. He's got enough talent that he'd look respectable. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not a big believer in Cutler in Miami. I mean, you know, it's it's a good move for the Dolphins to get. You know, I mean, they needed somebody else. Besides Matt Moore, I think Matt Moore is one of the better backups in the NFL. I don't know if they necessarily needed Cutler, but, you know, it, it looks good. They're making the effort, and they're just adding some depth at a very important position. It makes you wonder, you know, of course, everyone's second-guessing. Maybe Tannehill should have had surgery at the end of last season, and he could maybe he could have been good, good to go for this year, you know. Because, uh, I mean, a partial tear, I mean, I don't think those things really repair. It's just a question of when it's going to fully tear and mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. you know but uh yeah you know i guess landry now there's some some theories that you know landry you know might not be that great with cutler because cutler likes to throw to the slot guy but you know mm-hmm. i don't know he still looks like the number one receiver in miami and uh you know uh but i'll tell you i mean i like matt Moore. i'd like to see him stay healthy stay hot and then uh you know uh, Cutler would be a very well-paid backup. But sometimes, you know, I don't know if the Miami owner is like that. The owner could say, hey, I'm paying a lot of money to this guy. I want him in there. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I to this day, I can't believe that uh, Ralph Wilson pulled that in Buffalo. And it, it came out years later that, you know, they bring in Flutie, you know, after uh, – eight years in the CFL to, to back up Rob Johnson, who, you know, was getting paid big bucks for that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rob Johnson got hurt like he usually did. And they bring in Flutie and then the team starts winning. And then, at, right. Do you remember this at the end of the season? Mm-hmm. Uh, Wade Phillips puts in uh, Rob Johnson mm-hmm. and then has him start the playoff game. A- and then it comes out. Well, I'll tell you, if I was Wade Phillips, I, I-, I would have, 
I guess he it would have cost him his job. I would have blabbed to the media, media, hey, I'm not the the bozo who wanted to bench Flutie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they said the you know Ralph Wilson was ticked off that he you know he was paying a lot of money for uh, you know Rob Johnson to to hold the clipboard. Hey, you know what? Your team's winning. You grin and bear it. And if you were gonna pull a move like that, you do it at the beginning of the season, not the end. Exactly. You know? Yep. yep. I, I mean. You know, whatever money – oh, that's my theme music. Uh, uh, whatever money he might have been losing, he's going to make back, you know, with the extra playoff game and whatever. It just, it just uh, shows, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a ignorant owner, you know. Uh, yeah. Yep. I don't get it. I mean, uh, but, but uh, you know, the, and those kind of things could happen. And another thing you got to watch out for is sometimes – guys will get sat because of bonuses because bonuses mm-hmm. look good, you know, when it comes to contract negotiation, you know, um, but, you know, and if I was an agent, I'd be very cognizant of this. Some teams will bench a guy rather than see him achieve performance bonuses. That, and that, that's mm-hmm. the problem with bonuses. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to number 18. You know, I've liked, I, for whatever reason, I didn't like this guy when he first got into the league. Um, I didn't like the way he went about his business when he was in San Francisco. But I, I don't know if he's gotten a wake-up call or did the change in venue from the NFC to the AFC has, has um, opened this guy's eyes up. Um, he's led the, the team in receiving touchdowns um, for two seasons. He's caught 89 passes for over 1,000 yards for, for the second time in his career and had eight touchdowns last year. He seemed like he was more reliable and consistent from week to week than his, uh, his uh, fellow wide receiver on the other side. I'm talking about no other who's age 30 and still looks like he's got uh, plenty left in the tank. Um, it's Michael Crabtree. I really didn't like Michael Trapsey when he first got in. I thought he was full of himself, and I don't know if he got humbled or whatever um, by the time he got to um, the, the Raiders. But it seems like he maybe he's grown up. Let me put it that way. Maybe he's grown up and, and uh, realized that uh, he can make a difference if he puts in the work. And he has, for the last two seasons, put in the work and outshined his fellow wide receiver of Amari Cooper and, and been more reliable in catching the football and being at the right place at the right time. Um, hence, he, last year, 89 passes, 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns. And like I said, he's led the, the, the Raiders in um, receiving touchdowns the last two seasons. That's how reliable Derek Carr feels that uh, Michael Crabtree is. Talk to me, Jeff. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Crabtree had one of the dumbest holdouts ever. Do you remember that holdout? Yep, yep. And and I cringe when a rookie holds out. I mean, the thing is, the Raiders, you know, being the Raiders, they they drafted uh, Darius Hayward Bay before mm-hmm. Crabtree, defying the experts because I guess uh, Hayward Bay had a slightly better 40 time, and, you know, that's what the Raiders are all about. Um, and it ticked off Crabtree. And believe me, he he wouldn't be the first player to be ticked off that another guy got taken before him. But 
he wanted to get paid more than Hay because he's better. And it's like, you know what? That might be true, but he was drafted earlier, so he gets paid more. That's life. And believe Mm -hmm. me, it wasn't like they were offering Crabtree, you know, uh, a deal that wasn't, you know, right for his slot. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the dumbest holdout ever. And I I cringe when I see guys hold out. Um, Well, technically, if you're a rookie, it's not a holdout because you haven't signed a a contract yet. Or when I see a rookie miss training camp, I cringe. When I see anybody miss training camp, I don't like it. But especially a rookie really needs it. Yeah. Um, and, A.K.A. Joey, you know, Joey he, Bosa. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, um, you know, he didn't really distinguish himself in San Francisco, but they didn't have a great passing attack. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Crabtree, he is a good receiver. He's not a great wide receiver, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, a guy with his kind of hype and whatever, you know, you kind of have – God, what is there, a motorcycle gang driving by? Um, uh, yeah, I hear it. I hear it. So, ooh. It was like, sounded like it was like 10 Harleys. Um, mm-hmm. There's, uh, But, uh, you know, uh, he's good. You know, he's not great. He's good. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that looks to be uh, a pretty good uh, Raiders passing attack. And it looks like uh, the Raiders are back, which, uh, you know, makes the NFL a little more interesting. All right, let's move on to uh, another passing attack. This kid broke out last season with 75 catches for just just short of 1,000 yards, but he made up for it with 12 touchdowns. First two seasons both ended around um, 40, 50 yards, but uh, last year he uh, bumped it up, like I said, with uh, the catches and, and, and the uh, yardage and touchdowns. He scored in nine different regular season games, and uh, it's upside the little cap because he's, he's behind uh, another wide receiver that we're going to talk about from the Green Bay Packers a little later on. Um, and now they also added a receiving touch tight end in um, Martellus Bennett, and we'll talk about the tight ends next next week. Um, and uh, Martellus will be there somewhere. Uh, but Devontae Adams um, had a great 2016 season um, and got better as the season, excuse me, progressed. And he should be a solid number two wide receiver playing one of the most elite passing offenses in all the NFL with Aaron Rodgers throwing a pill. What's your thoughts on Devontae Adams, number 17? Yeah. Um, you know, the only thing is, you know, there's a, a little unpredictability with the Packers. I mean, uh, I mean, is, is he secure in that role? I mean, uh, I think uh, is Cobb still in the picture? Um, what if they – I think they're really going to use Ty Montgomery – at running back, but I don't know. Maybe they could switch him back to wide receiver. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. um, but the thing is, you know, like the Saints, the Packers are one of those offenses where everybody wants a piece of it for fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, sure. I'll, I'll tell you. You know, I mean, I, I like uh, uh, Martellus Bennett in that offense because I think oh, yeah. you know, he, you know, you know, he's going to be the starting tight end. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. And. Uh, uh, 
you know, it just I'm I'm not sure. About, I'm not I don't know I'm not a hundred percent sure about Adams how secure he is in that role. Well, I think I think he's pretty secure in that role. I think uh, uh, um, uh, Randall Cobb is probably going to play uh, in the slot. Devontae Adams on one out on one side and um, 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 Jordy Nelson on the other with uh, Martellus Bennett. Um, there aren't too many <clears throat> um, tight ends, and I just touch on this lightly. That can do both. Meaning, when I say do both, block and catch the football effectively. And Martellus Bennett happens to be one. And when you get a tight end that can do both, uh, your offense is, is less predictable because now you have a tight end in there that can block when necessary when you're doing running, and, and then you can go out and run routes and catch the football um, versus getting a tight end that only catches the football in a lot of these offenses, and defense knows exactly what's going on or – it knows the key on this guy because um, he, he's only in here to catch the football. He, he can't block worth he, – he's hot garbage when he tries to block. Martellus Ben is one of those guys that can do both and do it at a high level. Uh, so he helps the offense that much more. Not that the Packers offense needs to be helped, but it just – one more added piece. Um, I'm not saying he's at more as, as athletic because he's older – then Jermichael Finley, when Jermichael Finley was healthy and able to play, but he is the type of uh, um, tight end, and, and I'll get off the tight ends right after this, that can do both, just like Jermichael Finley was able to block and he could, was able to catch the football. I see Martellus Bennett being able to do that also in this offense. Let's move on to number 16 in another uh, passing offense, basically because their run game, but I think it's going to get improved when, when you get to the running backs – I'll tell you why. But I think this is going to get improved this year uh, on, on the Jim Bob Cooter. Um, but he clearly established himself as the number one wide receiver in this uh, Lions offense. Um, since uh, uh, Calvin Johnson left, his production was not much different than his two, previous two seasons. He caught 91 catches for a, a little over 1,000 yards, but he only, only scored four times. Um, he's averaged just – four touchdowns per year in his career. So it's nothing new that he's only averaged four touchdowns. I'm talking about Golden Tate. Uh, he did produce two games over 150 y- yards last season, but the, uh, uh, and, and, and the offense from last year to this year is completely intact. There's no guys that in the skill positions that left to go somewhere else. What what you had last year is what you had this year. In fact, you had you had somebody added to the offense that was dealing with uh, injuries, and that's Amir Abdullah. But like that's for a different show. So there's no reason to expect much more from Tate, who has already I think found his ceiling. But I, I think he's going to get about 90 catches, around 1,100 yards. He's the number one receiver for Matt Matthew Stafford, and, and I, I don't I don't consider that changing this year, uh, even though I think the running game is going to get better. But I still like um, Golden Tate just sitting out of the top 15, sitting at 16. Talk to me, Jeff. Yeah, uh, I I agree. Uh, You know, uh, since uh, Calvin Johnson's retirement, uh, you know, Stafford, you know, spreads it around a little more, but, but Tate looks like the number one receiver there in Detroit. 
Okay. So let's move on to now this guy is probably in, um, one of, and I'm looking at the rest of what I have here. There's probably uh, there's, there's about two or three other guys that the quarterback position is in question. Um, and they're the quarterback competition for this team. Um, and it looks like the, I wouldn't say seasoned veteran, but the guy who's got at least one more season under his belt versus uh, um, uh, the quarterback in his sophomore season, um, but it still has yet to be played out. Uh, Demarius Thomas, um, when he had Trevor Simeon uh, and then quite nasty Paxton Lynch, um, he uh, dropped uh, uh, down to 1,100 yards, uh, which was his lowest in five years. He still caught 90 catch passes so uh, and scored five times. So he was still effective, but not as effective quite nasty when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback in Peyton Manning. When you're dealing with Trevor Simeon and at times Peyton uh, Lynch, um, uh, you know that Demarius Thomas is probably is more than likely going to be the primary receiver. Now you got Mike McCoy, who who's, who's the new offensive coordinator, uh, or new in a new offense, uh, is not going to change that. So um, you expect uh, Demarius Thomas to have about ninety catches, about eleven hundred yards. Um, the only limitation is the quality of quarterback, like I've been talking about. He'll be stuck with either Simeon again or or, or, or Paxton Lynch. Um, but he's been consistently good. He was consistently good last year, and he probably just lose those monster games of the past because the fact is uh, limitations on the quarterback. But he'll be a consistent wide receiver too, um, in my opinion. Um, maybe games bigger than the others quite naturally, but he's the number one wide receiver. He's going to get touches. And Mike McCoy is going to see to that. What's your thoughts on Demarius Thomas, number fifteen? Yeah, um, I agree. It's uh, you know, it's not just the player's talent, which obviously he has. It's the situation, and and uh, I mean, it's not a heavy passing attack, and they, their uh, quarterback situation is uh, looks a little underwhelming. So that that puts a cap on his value. Uh-huh. All right, let's move move to number thirteen. Okay, uh, on the uh, hit list. Here, no, excuse me, number fourteen. Uh, this kid has. I don't. Know, I mean, talking about falling in it. Let me put it this way. Um, you start your career off uh, in uh, New Orleans, playing for one of the best quarterbacks and and, and definitely a Hall of Fame quarterback in uh, Drew Brees, one time Super Bowl champion. And then, with a surprise trade, you get traded to a five-time Super Bowl champion quarterback in Tom Brady and the Patriots offense. Now, I, I, he, he's got to be saying that he, he just died and went to heaven. Let me put it that way. Um, I, I can almost see 80 catches, 1,100 yards, um, and probably – Close to double-digit touchdown from this um, um, Tom Brady and Brandon Cooks hookup, who all reports from training camp has been lighting it up, burning DB after DB. Um, he's got the he slides into the number one role, number one role 
in the Patriots, I've always said, whether it's a running back or a wide receiver, speed kills. This kid got speed to burn. Um, I think this is the next to Randy Morris. This kid has got that type of speed. Um, now he's, he's, he's getting Tom Brady to throw the ball to him. Um, I think he's got a, a ton of um, uh, um, uh, skill. And, and you can best believe that Josh McDaniel, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady on the field is going to get as much as they can out of this kid. Um, I see him at number 14. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people are high on Cooks, and I'm with that. Um, You know, I mean, uh, you know, the Patriots, they do a good job of developing their own talent. They also do a good job of uh, bringing in talent and uh, getting the most out of it. So uh, it does look similar to a Randy Moss-type situation. Um, Yeah, Cooks could have a very big year in that offense. All right, number lucky 13. Excuse me. Uh, uh, excuse me, I, I, I got to go. Okay, no problem, Jeff. So, Thanks for calling right. in. So See you. Hopefully I'll catch you Thursday night. Yes, you will. All righty. Talk Take to you care. later. Oh, you too. Bye-bye. All right, people. Uh, we're at number 13, lucky number 13. This guy, uh, you know what? Numbers don't lie, and, and, and I'm partially a numbers guy, uh, and, and numbers don't lie. And I've seen this guy year after year, and I just overlook him all the time. And... It's to my detriment. And if I really want to win, I got to be really serious about when, I, when and if I want to draft this guy. He's at lucky 13. Um, he had a career best 94 catches for over 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. He scored 14 times in uh, 2015. He's better, a better start in PPR. I, I, can, I can almost attest to that. And offers at least 50 yards almost every week. Now, he already may have found his ceiling, but he's solid week to week and is consistent. He is a low-end wide receiver one in production for the last two seasons. But, like I said, he's consistent. Russell Wilson loves to throw to this guy. I'm talking about Doug Baldwin. Yeah, yeah, he had 94 catches last year, over 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. And, yes, he scored 14 times in 2015. And, yes, he's had at least 50 yards almost every week. So, in PPR, if he's got three or four catches or four or five catches, that's the almost consistent double-digit numbers. I mean, that's consistent. That's all I can say. Now, at number 12, he's got huge upside, and there's a risk. And I know, well, you got somebody consistent at 13, Jerry, but you got somebody at 12 that's got risk and upside. So he could be boom or bust. That doesn't make sense. Well, it does, because the guy I have at number 12 is DeAndre Hopkins. Now, he had over 111 passes for 1,500 yards and 11 touchdowns in 2015. 2016, and that that was with three different quarterbacks. 2016, we all know that Brock Osweiler wasn't the answer 
and was unable to, to get him the ball in most games. He turned in fewer than 60 yards in nine of his games, and starting in week three, he would only score three more times all year. Now, quite naturally, you would think with Tom Savage and Deshaun Watson, and he's already endorsed Tom Savage as a starting quarterback, which doesn't really mean nothing because the head coach designates who's going to be the starting quarterback, that he would have a better year as long as Tom Savage can be even mediocre. Now, Paxton, uh, Brock Osweiler was extremely inaccurate, um, but um, you would have to think Tom Savage in the in short time he was in there was trying to definitely get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. Now, there's a risk since had Savage and the rookie Deshaun Watson, who showed pretty well, but didn't play with uh, um, in a game with uh, DeAndre Hopkins yet. And they have uh, no track record on, and um, no extensive track record. Let me put it that way. You, I, I gotta believe that they can't be any worse than what Brock Osweiler was last year. How inaccurate and, and, and how inept he was in getting the football to his number one wide receiver. So even though there's risk in the quarterback position, and this is one of those. Um, positions like I said in Demarius Thomas, this is DeAndre Hopkins. I got him rated a little higher than Demarius Thomas. Uh, any better quarterback play and De- and DeAndre Hopkins will um, may not get to the level of 113 uh, over 100. Uh, excuse me, may not get to the level of receiving 111 passes and 1500 yards, but I see him getting. Um, uh, close to 90 catches and about 1,100 yards, somewhere around there. And any improvement in the quarterback position, um, uh, other than those expectations, would be a bonus. Let me put it that way. And that's, that's where the upside is. Uh, whether it's Tom Savage, as long as he stays healthy, with a concerted effort to getting the ball to his number one wide receiver, which he shown last year uh, for the short time he was in, uh, the starting lineup, meaning Tom Savage, was trying to get DeAndre Hopkins the football. Um, that, as long as he plays well, Tom Savage will be in there, other than it's going to be Deshaun Jackson, I mean Deshaun Watson. And they're both going to emphasize getting the ball to their number one wide receiver to make plays. That's just how it is. All right, let's move on to number 11. Now, we talked about his teammate, and supposedly he's bucked up. Supposedly he's, he's uh, I wouldn't say gotten himself together, but supposedly he's he, he, he do, done his, let me try this again. He's done his due diligence in getting his act together uh, and concentrating on not dropping as many footballs as he dropped last year and uh, being able to um, – Take, take a step forward in his progression as being a wide receiver in the NFL. There's high expectations for the Raiders this year. And uh, um, there's high expectations for uh, Amari Cooper. He's considered an elite talent that need, still needs to bring consistency to his game. Like I said, he drops way too many balls, and he hasn't figured – uh, into the red zone, and none of his five touchdowns last year were thrown there. 
That's what I'm talking about. The being consistent, being being able to. Now I know teams are going to scheme, going to try to cut out one one wide receiver or the other. But it seems like Michael Crabtree has a knack for getting open in in the end zone, um, and Amari Cooper needs to figure that out. And and, uh, and his his touchdown production will increase. He ended up with uh, 83 catches for 1,100 yards and, and included four big games with more than 125 yards. But he offered 10 weeks, 10 weeks where he had uh, failed to exceed 60 yards. And from week nine until the end of the season, only once gained more than 60 yards in a game. Now, he had, he had issues with his back and his shoulder, but played through them. The the Raiders' schedule was one of the toughest schedules this year, but it was but it was like that last year as all, oh, it was like that last year as well. And while you can say he's already broken out, there's a quite optimi- optimism that he still needs to take a step up in production. And 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 I got him in eleven, but if he takes a step up, he'll offer ten a top 10 um, statistics. All right, let's move on to number 10. This guy's fragile, man. I mean, um, he's fragile, but when he's on the field, he's a monster, monster, okay? Even with the, and I would say, limitation on a quarterback play. Uh, but this guy's a monster. If he had, if he had a, better quarterback, a better quarterback, man, this guy would be putting up Randy Moss numbers. I, I have to put it that way. But he's also had five straight seasons um, since his rookie year um, where he's missed a thousand-yard season. He, he gained uh, – uh, he had just short of a thousand yards last year. In 10 games, scored only four times. Now, his MO is this. He's got average scoring games. This is and then uh 3 to 5 games he has monster games. Um and he's already had nine career games with 150 more 150 yards. He's broken 200 yards twice. Um but he needs to get and stay healthy. Now they brought in another wide receiver cuz they lost Muhammad Sanu to the Falcons and they lost Marvin Jones to the Detroit Lions in 2016. So they brought in another uh, uh, stretch wide, uh, wide receiver to stretch the field in John Ross. But he's still got to turn in at least three or four weeks where he has a, a um, more weeks, I should say, where he has uh, uh, top performances. It, that he's got to be a dis- difference maker. And I'm talking about A.J. Green. Uh, if I didn't say his name earlier, I'm saying it now. A.J. Green. He's got limitations on his quarterback. Andy Dalton's not the, the most prolific, but he's good enough to get 82 catches, which I see that A.J. Green can get, and 1200, about 1,200 yards. Let's move on and finally break that 1,000-yard mark. Let's move on to another quarterback, I mean, wide receiver, that's got, 
quarterback issues, but seems to find a way, even though this guy in 2016 was pretty bad, along with the offense was pretty bad. I'm talking about Allen Robinson. He fell to only number 28 in fantasy wideouts in 2016. After he, in 2015, he had 80 catches for 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. Now, he was held at 10 games with fewer than 60 yards, and, and, and uh, I expect him to bounce back with a more effective running game and hopefully an improved quarterback. This is a prove-it year for Blake Bortles. He's got to prove it. They got, they got a young and upcoming defense. They just drafted Leonard Fournette to solidify the running game, um, and they have very good wide receivers. The quarterback has to take care of the football and not throw as many interceptions that he's, that he's used to throwing. He's got to take that step up. But I think uh, with Robinson, who worked out with Randy Moss in the offseason, and is in the final year of his rookie contract, has all the incentive and is set up to have a big year with an easier schedule. So, Allen Robinson, I have him at number nine. Number eight, it took the, the Dallas Cowboys took a, I wouldn't say took a big, but they took a big blow, especially if he does get um, suspended for six games. I'm talking about Zeke Elliott in their offense. Uh, they, they may have to end up throwing the football more, even though Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris could be effective run, runners behind that offensive line of the Dallas Cowboys. But Des Bryant still has got to stay healthy. We're looking for 1,200 yards, 1,200 yards, 12-plus touchdowns. He had a three-year string of that. We're looking for something like that, 85 catches, 1,200 yards, double-digit touchdowns. He's got to stay healthy. He suffered a knee, knee, back, and leg injuries that forced him to miss 10 games and played injured in many of them. He's got to stay healthy. He's a very wide receiver. We all know that. If you watch Des Bryant, he's very physical. Um, And that can hurt him um, in staying on the field. He he has produced six with six. um, Bryant has scored uh, six. Let me put it this way. He's produced six um, 80 yards and, and, and scored eight times in, in the last eight games. Like I said, he's a hit injury risk, but I, I, I'm, I'm a big Dez fan. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I like that bad boy in wide receiver position. Maybe I like Divas in wide receiver. I don't know. But I, I, I'm a, I was a huge Randy Moss fan, huge T.O. fan, and I'm a huge – and I hate to lump him in there, but he's got that type of reputation. And I'm a huge Dez Bryant fan. So – I'm, I'm looking that they're probably going to have to pass more uh, because the running game may not be as effective as it was in the past. So they're probably going to have to pass more. 
Let's move on to number seven, and I'm really high in this guy. He probably could be in the top five, but I have him at seven right now with a ton of upside. I see him catch about 90 balls, um, over 1,200 yards. Um, Jameis likes likes him a lot. If you watch the um, preseason game that they played last week, uh, this past week, Jameis was trying to get the ball to his favorite receiver, Mike Evans, who had a 96 catches, 1,300 yards, and 1,200 touchdowns, which was a career best. Um, he, um, he only scored three of his final eight games and was held to 66 yards, a few in five of those. Um, he finished with four 100-yard efforts on the year, and, and, and quite naturally, he's a safe bet to have a good year, but another increase will be harder for him to reach. You know, I had Mike Evans in my fantasy playoffs, and he, he disappointed me. Um, uh, in, in more than one league, but consistently, and they got an easier schedule. But consistently, Jameis likes to get the ball to Mike Evans. Now they have a pass catching tight end that they re, uh, 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 that they drafted in OJ Howard. They also got a big, uh, uh, big, big, uh, um, a big splash play. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but uh, but a, a big time wide receiver and a uh, um, big play wide receiver in Deshaun Jackson, and they also have uh, Chris Good Godwin, who's been ra- getting raves from uh, outside the training camp, um, and they're on showcase in, in Hard Knocks, so you can see this live and in color uh, every Tuesday if I'm not mistaken on HBO, and also they they still have Cameron Brait, so. Jameis has a lot of options to go to, but he loves to go to Mike Evans, and I see Mike Evans being one of those top ten, if not top five, wide receivers this year in fantasy football. Let's move on to number six, and 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 this is another. Even though they're still going to get the ball to him, and this is the type of offense that likes throwing the football. Would be better if they had their uh, top quarterback playing. Um, he hasn't thrown yet, and I emphasize if you listened to me earlier about not being there. I'm talking about T.Y. Hilton. He's, he's, he's had four straight 1,000-yard seasons, and he comes off a career-best 91 catches for 1,400 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, and it, that was with playing one of the toughest schedules with a quarterback who was nursing a, uh, uh, a shoulder injury. Um, he's He's quite clearly the same type of wide receiver they had in Indianapolis as, as in Mar, uh, Marvin Harrison. Um, so, and and he, he's very consistent. I like T. Well Hilton at number six on my list. About 90-plus catches, about 1,400 yards. I, he's the number one wide receiver. They're going to go to him often. Speaking of about the number one wide receiver and all these guys – from five on up, our number one wide receivers are going to put up <clears throat> uh, 90 plus uh, catches and over 1,200 yards. Um, how about an old guy here? Probably oldest of the top five. In fact, I know he is. But he's yet to slow down. I grabbed him at a bargain last year and um, really expected because. I, I saw the statistics of when he was in the lineup and when he wasn't. Um, and I also saw, and that's why it's important to watch 
preseason games very intently, especially guys that you have to think are are not in most people's eyes going to speak going to meet expectations because coming off an injury. Jordy Nelson was one of these guys coming off an injury, coming off an ACL. Um, he dropped down in the um, on the draft board, and I picked him up. 32 years old, but he's yet to slow down. He had 90-plus catches last year, 1,200 yards, and he scored a league high in, in, for wide receivers in 14 touchdowns. As long as he stays healthy, he's a lock for a good year. And usually, with Aaron Rodgers thrown to him, especially being his favorite wide receiver, having a great year. He's topped 1,200 yards in each of his last four seasons. His last of his four 16-game seasons, that's your say. But Aaron Rodgers loves throwing to Jordy Nelson. Wiley, older wide receiver, knows how to get open. And, and um, as long as Jordy Nelson is healthy and Aaron Rodgers um, is, is his BFF, He's going to keep consistently throwing to him. That's why I have him at number five. Number four, expect this guy to take another leap. Um, Brandon Cooks is not there now. Michael Thomas established himself in his rookie season in this offense to have over 100 catches and 1,400 yards this year. And he was the sixth wideout drafted where the Saints spent their 16th pick in the second round. And he dominated all rookie wide receivers when he had 92 catches for 1,100 yards. I think he's going to take a step up and, and, and had nine touchdowns. This is that type of offense. Drew Brees likes you. You're a nice big target. He's going to throw to you. And since Thomas was getting a lot more love than Brandon Cooks, um, now Brandon Cooks isn't there. This kid, like I said, over 100 catches, 1,400 yards, and double-digit touchdowns is totally within the realm of what I see. Clearly a number one, op- clearly a number one option in the passing offense. Um, uh, that's why I have him at number four. Number three. Wow. I mean, he, possible upside. He missed two games because of a toe injury in 2016, but he still gained 1,400 yards on 83 receptions. Now, he may not have scored that many touchdowns as the um, wide receivers before him, number one and two, or behind him. But Julio Jones, in the offense that's going to be carried over from Kyle Shanahan to Steve Sarkazian, is going to get his 100-yard catches. It's about 1,500 yards. And this... O.C. wants to get him more involved in the red zone. So I like Julio Jones at number three. Number two, all right? Now, if Julio's number three, and I haven't mentioned this guy yet, he's a giant, he's a diva. We all know that. Um, I expected him to get peppered big time by uh, Eli Manning. 
And we're going to be going on a little overtime, but I want to get this in. But we're going to be getting a little, a little overtime. So Odell Beckham is my number, guy, number uh, two guy. Um, he had 90 catches. Uh, well, I'm going to put it this way. He's a lock to get about 90 catches and 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. And you know why? Because he's never done anything less than that. So I, I think he's going to go over the 100, yard, 100 catch mark and get into the 1,400-yard range in, 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 in receiving. And he's only 25. And let me put this statistic out there. He's only 25 and his 4,122 yards over his first three years, second only to Randy Morse. In NFL history, Randy Morris had 4,163. Odell Beckham had 4,122. As long as he stays healthy, doesn't get too full of himself, um, he is a strong possibility of being one of those guys that's going to be wearing a gold jacket. Just has to stay on point. And number one, who's been the la- number one fantasy wideout for the last three years, and I don't even have to go and talk about numbers because the numbers speak for themselves in an offense that is a high powered offense with a top running back, top three running back in fantasy and Le'Veon Bell. Um, Antonio Brown. Need I say more? Need I say more? Now there's some other guys I'm talking about here that I really like. And um, that you may want to look out for, okay? Um, got some risk, got some upside. He's just been allowed to practice with his team. I think um, uh, when he last played, he had 50 catches for 765 yards and six touchdowns. And when he played in only uh, 11 games, he had four 100-yard games in that year. Um, but Playing opposite of Antonio Brown um, and playing in this offense, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Martavius Bryant, um, is going to be a guy that's going to have 70 catches and close to 1,000 yards and um, 8 to 10 touchdowns. Another guy that I like is um, Devontae Parker. Uh, now, that may change because um, Jay Cutler is there, not, not the um, – um, Ryan Tannehill. But it shouldn't be a uh, – uh, Parker shouldn't take a big hit for, par, uh, uh, for Jay Cutler. Because Jay Cutler has, can, make, can make any throw and, and can get the ball. And he likes throwing to – Big wide receivers, especially in the red zone. So I'm thinking that uh, 70 catches, close to 1,000 yards, is within the reach of Devontae Parker. I really like that. Um, and um, one more guy. I mean, there's a bunch of other guys, but I, this one, one guy I want to talk about. He was the fourth wide receiver taken in this past draft. 
the Bills traded up to get him to replace Robert Woods. And he played. He, he, he was going to play across from Sammy Watkins. Big wide receiver, had 158 catches as a senior, uh, which was mostly short passes and screens, but he's no stranger to a big workload or heavy coverage. Talking about Zay Jones, he ran a 4-4-5 at the combine and steps into a starting role as a rookie. Now, Sammy Watkins is gone, and that can open up the door for possibly Zay Jones being the number one wide receiver. Now, they did trade or acquire, either acquired Anquan Bolden, who's not a number one wide receiver, probably going to play in the slot, and Jordan Matthews, who's played in the slot, and they're probably going to push him out to the, uh, one of the outside wide receivers. But the upside won't be surprising to me in Zay Jones. I have a few more that I like. Marvin Jones, I think he also trained with Randy uh, uh, Moss this past year. And also Tyrell Williams. I like both these guys. They were sleepers. Less Marvin Jones was a sleeper, but Tyrell Williams was. He's a big wide receiver. He likes throwing. Spelt Rivers likes throwing to him. Um, and and uh, Mike Williams has got who who the the. the uh, Chargers drafted, has had health issues up until this point. So Tyrell Williams can be that wide receiver that he was last year for Philip Rivers. Um, but And there's a few of these guys that I just talked about, and, and there's going to be more to come. Let me put it that way, as, we, as the season goes along. And I may sprinkle them in as, uh, as I see fit when I think they need to be. But those are a few guys that I like to uh, – be on your radar. Let me put it that way, so to speak. Well, that's it for today. And I really appreciate you listening to me. Tune in next week where we'll be talking about tight ends. Yeah, I'm talking about tight ends. There's a lot of tight ends out there. Um, but uh, that's next week. I appreciate you um, listening to me and putting up with me for this short amount of time that we had. Uh, it's been a long, long uh, hour and a half, a little bit more than that. Uh Tune in next week when I said the, the Jerry, let me back up. Tune in next week where I'll be talking about tight ends, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, tune in at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on a Thursday night where uh, Jeff and I will be holding it down on the FSP Cruise Show. And also on Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, if you've been listening to Vic has been doing his IDPs, uh, next week he'll be doing linebackers, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the FSP Show. I'll be sitting there also talking about those. Until then, 